Welcome back to, to Manifest Mindset. Uh, we're here today on the phone with me and Nick Davis. So how are you doing, Nick? Absolutely, Bob. We're doing fantastic. So I'm out in New Hampshire now with all my extended family, um, getting ready for Thanksgiving. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving, my absolute favorite holiday of the year. So couldn't be much better right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I'm right now I'm home alone. Um, but my, my mom went to uh, France. Wow. And my stepdad is is in California, and my actual dad is at his own house. So I, I just have to place in my house my, myself now. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see what we're going to talk about. Fantastic. So, so this is our so first just, time. Just to, yeah, this is our first time on the phone recording it. Just to kind of set the scene here, we're all getting ready for Thanksgiving. I've got wait, I got to count up here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I've got 15 pies here in this room with me. Uh, we're getting ready for a, a big family gathering tomorrow. We got the pies all cooked up. We got some cookies made up. They're doing the turkey fresh tomorrow. We're having a bunch of other stuff going on. But uh, yeah, my family goes hard for Thanksgiving. So real excited about that. You got 15, 15 pies? pies? How many people are 15 showing pies up? and my aunt's got another three. Um, we've got about 35 wow. people. Um, initially, then more will stop by for dessert later. Ah, uh, wow. Well, I'm just here. I have my... Uh, I'm I have five milk cartons <laughs> in my fridge. I'm just drinking out of them. Um, yeah, it's a good time. Um, so yeah, I, let, let's start off talking about last week. Um, last week we touched upon one of my goals was to, to read a book and then come up with the things for the book that we're planning on That's writing. Um, so I want to start off with that. I don't know. Can you? Hear yeah, me I probably? got you now. Whatever you just did that made it pick up even better. Okay. Um, but basically what I wanted to read just to catch everybody up last week, I wanted to read a book called motivational interviewing. Um, and if I didn't read it, I was going to give Nick my $500, which is basically again, the whole premise of this podcast. Uh, so today he, he texted me if you wanted to go on a podcast night or afternoon, I was like, Oh, sure. Why not? Well, actually, I said that I wanted to, to go on the podcast on, on Friday, but he said, but Nick said he was a little bit busy. So we decided to do it um, tonight. And the problem was, was I still had 300 pages to go. So, <laughs> um, and the first 100 pages that were already read were read a year ago. So I decided that I was going to start in the morning. So I woke up and just until around 8 p.m., I finished yeah. reading the book. Uh, so, so that's the power of deadlines in action and i, I just want there, to tell that story because there's not I much of a better like, example than that we're here me and on the phone right now it's just before 10 p.m woke up early in the morning got to work 8 p.m man that is that's the power of a deadline yeah no my my eyes are all blurry my head hurts all right Bob, <laughs> this short, sweet, uh get some perseverance happen will you get to bed and get some rest yeah, no, I, I, and and the thing I don't want to talk about is like the first hundred pages. It took me a year to read. Can you can you believe it? And then the rest, the three hundred pages after that, were happened Holy in a day. Shit. So, the, the big news. I mean, I, I just sat home and just read, but that with no distractions. Right, but um, it, it should, you know, so are I we recommending that, that many of our viewers hone in an entire day, lock down three hundred pages of reading? Probably not. Probably not. But, but, but it go, goes, said it, go, it yeah, goes go to show that 
if you want to get something done, set a deadline for yourself that you think is at least somewhat realistic and have somebody hold you accountable. Because I have a very strong feeling if you didn't have this podcast tonight, if you're like, oh yeah, like the podcast is on Friday, we're going to do that. Um, but I'm going to try and get it done by Wednesday night. Bob, would you have gotten that done by tonight? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not. And I, um, I probably, probably would have gotten a chunk done. I'm like, you know what? Sweet. Let's space out our time. Let's make it happen. Yeah. I mean, no, I probably would have read like five pages <laughs> and then put the book down. And then on Friday, I would have started. Uh, that's probably what have happened. Um, but I, I feel like that's good because now I know how I could be productive. Does no. that make sense? Like I figured out a way for me personally to actually have a way to, to be productive. And, and that's stuff. something that I want to kind of allude to and foreshadow in the book we're going to write about is one of the chapters I want to talk about is know thyself and really work to deeply ingrain who you are, what your systems are and how you can set yourself up for better success. But that's for in a few minutes here, Bob. So Bob, you read 300 pages today. You read a hundred pages a year ago. Talk to me about from this. What was I'm talk, sorry? talk about this book for me. What wisdom do you have to impart upon me and the people listening? To this? Yeah, I actually took a bit of notes before this. Um, and I, and I wanted to share. So, so basically motivational interviewing, uh, I'm just going to start going on a spiel here, but motivational interviewing is basically a way for a coach, a clinician, or any sort of teacher, educator physical therapist um, to promote. Yeah. Physical therapist to promote behavior change, uh, through, collaborating with each other fantastic so in the pt example the physical therapist collaborating very well with their patient and trying to invoke a behavior change that's positive for the patient's life yes so um again it's a collaborative effort and there are four parts to motivational interviewing basically so the four parts are engaging focusing invoking and planning okay um before we go into this, there's a little like a backstory to this. Um, so when there's some sort of behavior change, either with collaboration or without collaboration, there's five stages of uh, behavior change. There's pre-competition, competition, uh, preparation, action, and maintenance. Where motivation really, a motivational interviewing really comes in is during this pre-competition and competition phase. Uh, for, for, our, for our listeners who aren't familiar with that, describe, and that's about that trans-theoretical model of behavior change. Describe what those two phases are about. Yeah, so the pre-competition phase is, is um, I don't know what the problem is, and I don't, I, I don't think it affects yep, me. So you got no think. clue. Ignorant. Yes. You, you, you don't know about it. And then the competition phase is, oh, I know about this problem. Maybe it affects me, but maybe not. Right. So like this is a problem that currently exists with some people somewhere in the world, but it's not me. Even if it really is you, it's not me. Yes. Um, but it, it's this. And then there's motivational interviewing, which really hits onto these two phases, which brings them into uh, more of the advanced phases of the change. So yes, yeah, so you're sense? taking this model of behavior change and these, the whole tactic and motivational interviewing is really taking that trans theoretical model and progressing it through the stages. Yeah. So that there are four stages um, to, to make this long 400 page book into like a, a quick five minute thing, hopefully five minutes. 
there's four parts of motivational interviewing. There's the engaging, focusing, invoking, planning. So when you first meet a patient, a client, uh, somebody that you're trying to get their behavior to change, you're going to first engage with them. Uh, that's basically how can you make them super comfortable so that can, they can trust you. Does that part make sense? Absolutely. You need to develop trust, number one. Yes. So a really cool thing that I learned uh, that I read about that I was super nerdy out about is that when we're uh, physical therapists, for example, we do initial evaluations and uh, there, there's this first part called the subjective part of an initial eval where we ask people questions uh, and things like that. And one thing the book said was if you're going to take notes during that eval or during that period, asking permission is the most critical thing. Um, so one thing that the, the book said is telling the patient up front, hey, Jane, uh, I'm going to be taking notes today during this initial eval and everything that you say is very important and I want to make sure I get everything to ensure that we can both uh, reach your goal. Is that okay with you? And I feel like that's just gold right there. Tell I me love it. That, that, that totally sets the tone for I am 100% completely about you in this world where, let's be real, there are too many requirements with our documentation, what we have to do. Um, that I'm not always a huge fan of, but you're there for the patient. And that's what we got our heart into this thing for. But you're really reminding the patient that I'm totally 100% here for you. And that's that initial trust. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and like, I never had anybody say that to me. But if somebody said that to me, I probably feel like a million dollars or a million bucks, you know? And um, after engaging, after you build that trust, and that's, again, a constant progress. Uh, process that you're doing, you have the focusing part, uh, focusing on one specific goal and not a multitude of goals. So some guy could come into your clinic, they may might have diabetes, they might have back pain, they might have leg pain, uh, they might have depression. Um, but what sort of behavior change should you focus on at the moment? And that's really up to what you and the patient together decide on. So you guys aim for one thing, to, to mainly affect it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So after the, the, the engaging and the focusing part go through, uh, the fun part comes in. I, I think it's the fun part. So the first part, engaging, uh, you're building that trust, focusing, you're finding that one thing. Then evoking, where is you're trying to get what's called change talk. So change talk is basically uh, when the patient themselves talks into behavior change. So let, let me talk more about that. So basically, uh, when a patient wants to lose weight and they say to themselves, yeah, I, I want to lose weight, that's change talk right there, right? So, so and by, by you saying, just to clarify, by you saying them saying to themselves, they're in the interview with you, they're in the eval, and they're saying like, oh yeah, I know like losing some weight might help my problem. Yes. That's changed up right there. So yep. um, I think the biggest point is that the biggest thing that can convince us to change is ourselves. So if we hear ourselves talking about something, we're more likely to change. Right. Does that make sense? And, and you know, another, that yeah, indicates go ahead. it's on our mind. It indicates yeah. that we've already thought about it in some way, shape, or form. Yes. Yes. That, that's more change talk. And everything that comes past this evoking stage is just promoting change talk. And one thing that I really found super, super interesting 
is that in one part of the book, it talked about how when you compare somebody's values with what he's actually doing, that can promote change too. Does that make sense? So, so you're saying that if this is somebody who values a healthy lifestyle, taking care of themselves, and their actions at the moment are not reflecting that, finding a way to bring that to light could very highly motivate them to get back to their taking action that follows their values. Yes. But the important thing is that you're not lecturing, that you're not educating, that you're not doing what the book calls the writing reflex, where you're just telling them what you think is right. But instead, it's the patient or the client that realizes it themselves. Yeah. So th that's what I really love about motivational interviewing. And then there's the planning phase, which is basically you're making up a goal and you're doing everything to promote this change talk again. So they actually accomplish the goal. Um, obviously, there's a lot more with motivational interviewing. And this is just like a tiny scratch off this building. Uh, but yeah. I mean, tell me your thoughts, Nick. I love it. And it's interesting. I'm going to go on a bit of a side tangent, but when I hear all this stuff that you're talking about, Bob, with your summary of motivational interviewing, I think of a lot of the stories from Buddha. Um, now, I'm not a Buddhist or anything, um, but I like some of the teachings. I like some of the stories that go with it. And I think with the way that through the stories Buddha teaches through experience, he, he doesn't just impart wisdom through words to people. He gives people the experience they need to realize it for themselves. Because you can intellectually understand something before you emotionally, physically, spiritually, deeply ingrain that in yourself. Like this is a belief. It can. There's a huge transformation when a thing becomes a piece of information, and in terms of, and changes from a piece of information to an experience. So. You know, some of these Buddha talking about um, this old story about this woman who um, during childbirth had a really hard um, childbirth for her baby and her baby was really sick. Um, and she was basically begging the Buddha to bring this kid back to health. And he said, OK, I'll do it. What I want you to do is go around to every house you can find. And in every house, find me one household that a person does not have any ailment. Find a perfect family in complete perfect health. There are no issues. Huh, interesting. And she was so deeply encouraged by this because this is the Buddha of infinite wisdom to her that's saying, yeah, of course I'll help you out. Just do this one thing. I then I'll help you out. So she says, sweet. She keeps going around for days through this village, walking to the next town, the next town, looking through all these houses. And there's something going on. There's, you know, a young kid who's lost their grandmother. There's a grandmother who is hunched over, hard to walk. There's a father who's trying to care for his kids, can't provide enough money. And again, these are back in the ancient days. But all these stories of simple daily hardships. And she comes to the realization through her own, through those experiences that it doesn't exist. There doesn't exist a perfect ultimate version of health. And it takes her to realize that to be more present in the moment to find that healing for her kid herself. So the kid doesn't undergo physical healing, but the mother can be much more present with the kid and with her own life.
And that's what I think of with motivational interviewing is it's an opportunity for people to be very present with themselves, but it's, yeah, it's, I think by doing motivational interviewing, we're bringing people back in touch with their reality and empowering them to say, sweet, you've got this knowledge, you've got this stuff. What action step can you take now that you've taken a glimpse at your reality currently to make your reality align with your values? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Like, you can tell the mom all you want that everybody has issues. If you put everybody in a single room, everybody will have issues, right? But you can tell the mom, you can scream at the mom, you can beat the mom up all you want, but she wouldn't believe you until she saw it herself. Right. And and the other kind of subliminal message of this story is, and which was very true in what you said too, Bob, about the motivational interviewing, you are on the mother's side. You are not, like you said, you're not yelling at her. You're not antagonizing her. You're not lecturing her. You are very much on her side and promoting that self-discovery. Yeah. And that's huge. You're right. You're right. So that's, uh, again, there's, there's so much um, things in that book. And I'm probably going to be referencing that book whenever I start practicing or whenever I'm, I'm treating patients or with clients, um, Love it. Be because there's just so much information. And again, once you read it, uh, I think one of the problems with reading books is that there's just so much information with the book that once you read it, you get so inspired, but then you just put it down and then you don't do anything with it because there's just so much information. Does that make sense? Yep. So Bob, I'm going to ask you an incredibly unfair question. Okay. I, I what is your what is your number one takeaway from this book that you're going to put to action immediately? That that thing that I told you um, about asking for permission and telling them, telling the the patient initially during the examination. Um, I it, this is very important. I'm going to take write down notes and because you, what you say is very important to reaching goals. That is probably the number one practical takeaway that I'm going to do moving forward. Um, but another thing that I'm also going to do, I know I'm just spewing out things that I'm doing because this book is just so much information, so much great information, and I recommend it to anybody. Um, but it's probably just being more aware of how I speak to, okay. to other people. Um, instead of doing them harm, I'm, I should do them good. So a great example of this, um, and, and as a side tangent, I, I want to start talking more stories in a pot in our podcast just practice okay. storytelling um, i love it yeah but but basically a great example of this is i knew about motivational interviewing in the past and whenever i coach my clients I do my best to use motivational interviewing um but there was this one client that i was training i used motivational interviewing on her and it it seemed like i was trying to antagonize her and I was trying to, to fill her with doubt. Okay. So uh, I was going to extreme of motivation interviewing. And after reading, there's this balancing act in to, to put the client in the right face. So basically, right. um, my client said that she was feeling depressed. And, and I was doing motivational interviewing. But I was kind of leading her into, to, into some things about how she wasn't uh, coming to the gym as often as she wanted, even though she was doing great, which was, she was going one time to the gym a week rather than zero times. And I, I don't think I was getting that point across because I was putting her, her into a category far too advanced in a motivational interviewing phase. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. So you have to, you have to meet the person where they're at and go one step forward instead of sometimes it can be overwhelming and feel like a defeat if you try and push people to here is your ultimate goal and let's keep going for the ultimate goal. Sometimes it can look too big and too daunting for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically I, I did that and then she, she started to cry and then I haven't seen her in a month and a half. Um, uh, so that's, that's, that's a life lesson right there. You're never going to forget. Yes. That's a, yep. That's a pretty much a life lesson. So I need to make sure that I'm in the right phase with my, with my client, with my, my person. And it's all about practice, you know, it's all about practice. Now and something that, you know, I, I love the quote of is that a beginner practices until they can do something well, but an expert practices until they can't do something wrong. Huh. Can you say that one more time? Just, just, just for me, Nick, can you say that one more time? Absolutely. A beginner practices until they can do something right. An expert practices until they cannot do something wrong. Huh. Interesting. And it's truly about having ownership of what you do. And no matter how far advanced you are, how much training you've had, how much practice you've had, there's always room for improvement and refinement and self-reflection. And I think that's one of the extremely powerful things about the profession we're going in and any profession you're working with a healing element with people is it's deeply, deeply personal and you can continue to refine your art. That I agree. Wow. That's that, I guess that sparked a story in me. I'm going to tell another story, but um, basically I went to this seminar once and it was back home. Uh, I, I drove, on a weekend from school. So I drove five hours back to attend the seminar and, yep. uh, I went in, I went in by myself. I was in, uh, what was the seminar about? It was about online coaching. Nice. Uh, yep. Online business coaching. And I was in khakis. I was in a dress shirt. I went in and there were a bunch of tables, uh, with the PowerPoint in front and the presenter started. Right. And what he started off with, was a sentence that I don't think I'll forget. And it really resonated when you said this. Um, basically, he talked about how beginners or amateurs, when they hear repeated information, they think to themselves, ah, I already know that. This is, this is bull. I already, I already know all this. I don't want to hear this again. Yeah. Whereas experts or masters, when they hear information that they already know about, they think to themselves, ah, thank you for the reminder. Yeah. Does that, does that make sense? Absolutely. So, and and uh, you, have, you have to have that deep growth mindset. And I, and Bob, I've fallen victim to that before, you know, with um, all the things we're learning in school. And I have a big focus on orthopedics, manual therapy, pain science applications, and really using just high quality treatment and deeply connecting with my patients. I've been there before. I'm like, all right, this is all we're learning in this class. Like I'm ready for more manual techniques. I'm ready for more patient application. And I've been in that mindset of, all right, I'm ready for more. I'm ready for more. I'm ready for more. And I think some of that is healthy, but you also have to have that perspective. I know I need to have that perspective of, man, just get like, yes, keep progressing, keep doing this, but get damn good at the fundamentals. 
Because that's your bread and butter. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, the if you think about it, the fundamentals are the fun. The fundamentals are, are everything. Everything, absolutely, couldn't agree more. Yeah. So you know the, the story. I don't know if it's nursery rhyme or some sort of story, but basically, you want to build your house on rock and not on sand. Otherwise, when it rains, um, your base house would would disappear. Yep. Did, did that make sense? Yeah, it was. Uh, I've heard more elegant descriptions of it, but yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> but yeah, that's 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 it. You, you want to have a solid rocky foundation, right? And and that goes back to habits too, right? Um, the whole thing that, that I preach with my coaching program is is ninety percent of diets fail because you don't have that solid foundation, which are the habits, right? right. So with with a diet, they're working on the house; they're not working on the foundation. So with a diet, there's there's a start and end date. And once the end date is over, you're going to go back to normal if you don't have the right habits or foundation set. I love it. Love that's, it. Basically, that's basically what I preach. Yeah, go ahead. I love it. So, Bob, um, for the sake of time, you know, I could ramble about this stuff all day and all night. But let's get – so I love the book review. Fantastic job. Great job accomplishing your weekly goal, even if it only was two hours ago complete. It doesn't matter. You made it happen. You know yourself. You got it done. Let's start looking at this book that we're going to be working on. So – we talked about by this week, we want a very, very, very rough outline of general ideas. Yeah. Yeah. You want, you want to start, Nick? Absolutely, oh, Bob. Wait, actually, so, so last week we were joking around about writing a book. Right. About, called a book called Manifest Mindset Back at It. And that was actually back, the name back. of the Manifest back. Mindset Back in Action. Oh, Back in Action. Oh, well. I need to change the podcast name because I, I named it back at it. But I'll oh, you know, that. Bob, 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 Bob. we haven't published the book yet. Well, uh, maybe we'll have people vote in it someday or something. We'll see what we do. But that's a general idea of the book. Yeah, no, but basically, it's an actual thing that's happening. It's not a, it's not a joke anymore. I think it's actually happening. Um, as Bob alluded to, we were joking about it. Like he kind of brought it on, like literally, like as his mind was producing this, like maybe whim of a thought. He declared it in our podcast, like, hey, Nick, we should do this. And at first, I'm like hesitant, like, dude, I've never heard this idea before. Um, I'll say I've heard of books, but this whole idea of like making a book happen real fast. So we literally spent an hour after that last podcast we made writing on a big whiteboard, scratching ideas down, getting a blueprint going. I only say blueprint because we wrote in blue pen. Um, but yeah, we're committed. Let's make it happen. And you know what? If we do our best, we shoot for our dreams, we let the results speak for themselves. It's a continual process of hard work, reflection on that hard work, and getting back after it. And that's all you can expect, really. That's all you can do. So this is going to be a real thing. We're going to make it happen. Yeah. And, and there's this mindset of maybe that you need to be an expert or you need to have some sort of really big credential to write a book. But that could just be a limiting mindset. Right. Absolutely. Right. So, and, and, and I'll speak to that experience and to um, I'll speak to a mindset that I really carry deeply with me that I value is you never want to wait till you're 100 percent ready for an experience. You never want to wait till that moment. That's a complete waste of time. You want to be 80 percent ready for an opportunity because that means by taking the opportunity, you will have 20 percent of great growth. You're already at 80 percent. You're 80 percent ready. 
during the process, you need to add a 20%. So you are going to make it happen. Just like Bob made reading that book, that 300 pages happen by tonight. You are going to make that growth happen because you are excited for your opportunity and you're going to put in the required work to get it done. If you're hundred percent ready, you can coast through. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how complicated the task is. If you are truly hundred percent ready, you're wasting your time. All right. Let's talk about this book, man. All right. All right. So, um, Bob, talk real quick. What were the three main sections that we were going to talk about? So I, so basically what we talked about the other day uh, on the whiteboard was three sections, having three split parts of the book, the mindset, ha health habits, and um, the wounded healer. Yeah. And, yes. Three, yeah. three topics. The first one manifest mindset. A lot of things about this podcast we've been talking about really trying to internalize other than health habits about things that you can do easy applicable things to build that foundation upon that are external uh, then after that the idea of the wounded healer about we are all broken in some way we have all had a deep struggle in some way how can we take our talents and our ambitions to go forward and help other people heal from the same thing to help them create growth for bob and i a lot of those things relate to our mission as physical therapists in the health field, in empowering other people. But we've all got some place that we've been broken in our lives before or will be broken that we hopefully will work to build ourselves up and in the future build others up to give them that ultimate perspective. Okay. Um, I I mean, is it still up in the air to discuss about the three sections? But I, I feel like the three sections right now are pretty solid. Um, I go ahead. Okay, so I said I agree. Um, Bob, what I'm going to do is what I did for this is I took each of the three sections and kind of broke down what I would do for headlines of chapters. Okay. So I'll go through those. I'd love to hear your thoughts other than hear kind of separately what you came up with too. Yes. So for section one about mindset, chapter one is called why with a question mark. That's going to get into... Why are you here on this planet? Why are you in this book? Why are you doing what you are doing in your life currently? Just why? What is your why? That chapter is going to lead right into the second chapter on Ikigai. Ikigai being that Japanese word for your reason for being, your life's purpose, the reason for which you wake up in the morning. It's taking that why to the next level. And what is your life's mission? that deepest why for yourself. Chapter three is about intention. Intention of mind that leads to intention of action. The next chapter called Fail Early, Fail Often, using failure as a teacher for ourselves. Section after that, one of my all-time favorite words, vitality. How do you live a life with true vibrancy and vitality? Next chapter, the last chapter in my book for the manifest mindset section is know thyself, having a deep knowledge for who you are, what makes you you, what sells, what sets you up for success, and what you know and will or will come to soon know what does not work for you because we each have those. Section two, health habits. Do you want to first talk about just one section at a time? I think that's a fantastic idea. Okay, so 
So for manifest mindset section, you talked about number one, finding your why or what is your why. Chapter two, ikigai. Three, intention. Four, fail often, fail or fail early, fail often. Five is vitality, and six is know thyself. Absolutely. Um, so I basically I came up with topics that I wanted to talk about. I didn't really come up with uh, headings, um, but I feel like many of my things can fall into your chapter titles. Does that Let's make sense? So, yeah. so the first part I would probably start off with is that mindset is the key to everything. And I feel like that could fall under your, your why chapter. Yep. Then I'd have uh, the circle of control things that, so folk basically things that you want to control, you control and things that you can't control. You, you don't control those. Um, I feel like that could fall under, I guess, knowing thyself that that could be a chapter part of that um but i'm okay now let's write these ideas down separate um because like you said we want to have a growth mindset we don't want to limit things and narrow things too early to stunt a great idea so i'm just writing these things down as you speak bob okay so yeah so basically mindset a key the circle of influence the lion in the room effect which is accountability what we talked about last week uh vulnerability being vulnerable and opening yourself up uh, you are not alone, and everybody has problems. Um, you're the average of the five people you want to spend the most time with, or you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Uh, read, learn, implement. Dabblers versus action takers. The one thing, fail fast, and in imperfection. Does that make sense? Bob, I love it. Uh I guess for next week, I'm sure we're going to talk about the other two sections, but basically for, for next week, maybe we could find some way to, to combine the two and then maybe come up with something, uh, I guess, to move us forward. I'm not exactly like sure that. what that thing is, though. Um, between today and the next time we meet, um, let's meet a time in between that and consolidate this into chapter ideas and what we're going to talk about in those chapters. Okay. Yeah. Um, basically we're just getting the outline on this podcast right now. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This is raw live for you guys. And this is again, too many times you see on Facebook, on Twitter, all these social media things that honestly I'm not involved in that much, but you see people's highlights. You see a snapshot of like how accomplished these people are. You people aren't going to post on Facebook. Like, Hey dude, guess what? Like I sucked at this today. I, I usually wouldn't see. That. Um, but they're going to talk about what they accomplish, what they're proud of, what resonates with their identity. They're not going to often talk about the moral qualms that are, that are bothering them. This is a snapshot and an idea of Bob and I are just coming up with this on the fly. We're brainstorming. We're working together to make it happen. It may not be the most beautiful, pretty, fine-tuned thing, and that's okay. You don't have to have things fine-tuned to start. You just need to start. Yeah, and then for section two, let's talk about the habits. I'll just list off what my sections are. Um, so number one, why habits are important. Number two, the telephone effect. Number three, focusing on one habit at a time. And then finally, the, the six stages of behavior change. So, or the five stages of behavior change, what we talked about today during motivational interviewing, because I feel like that's important with the habits. 
Bob, I love the direction you took with this because that is completely not the direction I took, which means we're going to compliment each other so well on this. All right. Tell, tell me where you went, Nick. Okay. For myself, I literally just went at the, not like habits. I went about the habits themselves, not about why they're so good or the effects or the reason. I just went for, listen, here's the habits we're going to flush out. Here are the stories behind them. So I got three things for you. Okay. Number one is for health habits. I got food. Literally talking about habits with food. Okay. The second is movement with intention. Having a reason for your movement and your expression and what you're doing. Taking that intention and having that movement. And the third is movement for lifestyle. So those things may seem very similar, but it's the idea of having an intention to your life having a reason for it but then you don't always get a reason just freaking move man have fun enjoy your life you are a creature of movement and expression oh my god i'm so excited okay so what i came up with is the why and then you came up with the actual how okay i love it dude that is amazing all right bob last section wounded healer take me away all right so um I want to talk more about, so you talked about how wounded healers, basically how everybody's wounded and how we're, we're all on a mission to, I guess, heal each other and, and something like that. Is that where, where you're coming from? And yeah, in a way, and I'll, I'll get more into the details when I talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I took it another way. Basically I took it as we're a physical therapist We're we're hurt. We're still trying to grow, but we're still trying to bring positivity and, and heal people, I guess, through physical therapy, through, uh, whatever we're trying to do. So basically what I wrote, I guess I wanted to talk about what physical therapists actually do. What is our profession? Um, number two, injuries that lead to growth. Number three, movement optimization. Basically, I think that's what you wrote down in the habits part. Um, a little bit of pain and, and how pain is in our mind, how pain is also like the mental stress that we come up with. That's all in our mind. That's all created in our mind. And basically a little bit about stress. Um, but yeah, share where you came up with. What you came uh, up with. Question clarification. You talked about, and I, I'm probably going to misuse your words. You said something about injuries that heal or what, what were your words with that? You said something about yeah. injury recovery or like, yeah. Injuries that lead to growth. Injuries that lead to growth. And are you trying to contrast that with injuries that are just bad or is it even possible for an injury to be just bad that don't lead to growth? Or we're getting into the whole battle of like, you know, let's just evaluate injuries and can they lead to growth? Do they always lead to growth? What does it take to lead to growth? Um, my gut reaction is that I think injuries always lead to growth and then how you can take that and then just actually grow with it instead of letting, letting it hinder you. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So the idea that they always, not that they always do, but they always should and always can. Yes. And, and this is both physical and mental injuries. And it's not, it's not like injuries where you get your arm cut off, but it could be like, like right, something, right. something less, less serious. We're not claiming that we are amphibians and salamanders that literally if we chop off our tail, that it will lead to growth in a new tail. We don't do that. Yes. That's, that's basically it. Well, what would you come up with? Okay, so for me, I talked about the process. I talked about the kind of 
internal battle and the sections that it is. So number one is suffer or suffering. Number two is struggle. And I think of this is very, very important for myself, for you, Bob, for all of our listeners. Struggle is not a bad thing. Struggle is not a noun, not a thing. Struggle is a verb. Struggle is a, and because it's a verb, struggle is an action. So the action to struggle. That's something I really, really want to invoke in people. That is, it's a very empowering thing. You have an issue. Great. Struggle with it. Do something about it. I love it. All right. Third, it leads right into that. The third is drive. Having drive, having passion. Four, redemption. That redemptive nature of the human spirit. Five is give back or reach back. I haven't decided on my exact wording yet, but something like that. It could be like contribute. Yeah, absolutely. Give back, reach back, contribute. Something like that, yeah. I love it. We'll we'll brainstorm. We'll make it happen. Other than the last one is reflect. Because I think a lot of people prematurely end up contributing. I've made a difference in other people's lives. Man, it's in don't don't dwell on the past, but it is so important and empowering to reflect on where you have come from. When you are at a place so weak that you did not and again, this might not happen to everybody to the extreme degree it's happened to me, to the extreme degree it happens to a lot of people. But at a point where you don't where you do not think you can continue on with whatever it is in your life, you get to a point where going forward you are helping so many other people inspiring them, empowering them with that same thing that you could not even stand alone for yourself. You are now standing strong and taking on the burden for others. Having that reflection to say, this is where I come from, will only empower you that much more. Interesting. I like it. I like what we came up with today. Bob, this is fantastic. For our basic outline of this book that we're still in the process of thinking about so. thinking about, we're still in the process of discovering what this means for ourselves too. And yeah. that's the beauty. We're always still growing. We're not pretending that, you know, at least I'm not pretending that I've got this whole thing figured out, man. I'm 23 years old. I'm on a journey through life. I'm in love with PT. I'm in love with what I do. And I want to continue to fall more and more in love every day. I love it. And me too. I, I want to, Basically, for me, I want to just keep on growing and becoming to become, I guess, a better version of myself every day. And that's why I guess we're doing this, right? I guess you're you're trying to improve too while I'm trying to improve. We're we're all trying to improve. Always. All right, Bob, what's the game plan for next week? Yeah, so uh, the game plan for next week, I was thinking about... $500 is back on your table. Yes. So I was thinking about coming up with uh, a goal for myself and then a goal for the book. Um, I think, I think goal- that every week is because that way, like you said, we talked about this after the podcast last week, but and off air that we should do one goal every week for you that you were talking about for your stuff. Other than one goal a week for the book. And this will be a, in a way, a documentary of said that I feel like I said with like a British accent, but anyway, um, a documentary of how to make a book and not necessarily saying that we're doing a great job with it, but how did you get started and continue to take action? 
and get it done. Yeah, it's about imperfect action, you know? Um, I, I love the phrase imperfect action. Yeah. Because you're not stifled. You're not inhibited by, oh, man, I didn't do this completely correctly. And I think as PTs, sometimes we can fall into that trap for patients of, oh, no, you didn't do this, this, and that, and like these exact correct postural things all the time. But we're made to be fluid creatures of movement. And if it doesn't work in somebody's own neurological system, it's not going to take, it's not going to take effect. All right. All right. So I, I think for the book uh, goal, we should come up with is from today until the next time we record, which will probably be next Wednesday or Thursday. Um, let's meet, let's meet one time offline and just come up with where we want it to be. So yes, th there's still some thought into it um, that you're putting in, but th that should be the goal for next week. I love it. Sounds fantastic. Right. Let's do that. Um, as for my personal goal, I, I, I mean, how many days do I have left until I go back to school to meet to meet up with you? Uh, I still have, I guess, four days, three or four yep. days. Um, yep. So I feel like that's a lot of time, and I have stuff to do. Um, as for things to actually do, I don't know. I don't know. What What, what do you think? So I think, again, being mindful that this is a break for you, using a break as a restorative time that's still very intentional about progress, but maybe progress in a different way. Um, just like athletes, their off-season time after their competition is attributed to recovery and movement and, you know, introducing gentle cross-training. What might be a good cross-training, kind of similar to how you read a book this last time? What might be good for you mentally that you feel like, okay, I can get an edge and growth in this different area? I want to, this is what I want to do. Um, I want to start to to tell a story every time I do a Facebook Live. Okay. And, and I want to start doing it again while doing more Facebook Lives. Uh, more consistently. Okay. And what does that define consistently for me? What do so, you hold yourself to? I want at least a story um, per day. One story per day. Love it. Yes. If, for, if it happens, that gets you fired up, you want you're passionate, you're like, man, I got another story to tell today. Sweet. Yes. You go for it. But you hold yourself to one story a day. Yes. That's what I want to do. I want to master my stories. Oh, wait, actually, this is what I want to do. I want to compile, wait, scratch that, well, scratch that Facebook thing. Um, okay. I want to I compile a list of stories that I can just tell. Okay. So I want to com compile a list of 10 stories that I have in my arsenal. 10 stories, Bob, about what kind of topic in general? Just about, I guess, motivation, about losing weight, about confidence. Perfect. So <laughs> stories, scripts to work with your clients yes so stories that i can tell um on the fly to break belief patterns to to inspire people to take action that's what i want to come up with powerful breaking belief patterns so that's what i want to do create 10 stories I like, it. I like it 10 stories but next time we meet yep i like it all right that's it right. uh bob before we go tomorrow's thanksgiving man Top three things in your life in this moment that you are thankful for right now.
I'm thankful for my mom. I'm thankful for my dad. I'm thankful for heat in my house. Love it. What about you? What about you, Nick? What are you thankful for? Me? For me? Great question, Bob. I'm thankful for my entire family around me. Um, just incredibly blessed. Wonderful, wonderful people. I'm thankful for all the opportunities I've had through PT school. Um, for all the mentors along the way who have helped me out, who have taken that extra time for me. And third thing, I'm thankful. I've got a sick job interview on Friday. I'll be celebrating Black Friday, not be shopping for deals, but be shopping for a new job. So got a crazy good job interview, and we'll see what happens. Nice. Good luck. All right, Bob. Till next time, my friend. All right. Till next time. Bye-bye.